Love Talk Radio. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the uh, the latest Chud Show. It is the Chud Show Live because we have a very special guest on today, uh, Mr. Jason Schwartzman himself, uh, here to talk about Bored to Death and whatever else crosses his own mind. Jason, welcome aboard. Hi. Thank you very much for having me. It is a pleasure. So uh, cool. This is, yeah, this is show business right here. <laughs> now, um, did you activate the voice that warned us that we were going to be going live? Or is I that how that happened? No, she is sentient. She operates uh, in the same way that HAL 2000 does. It's, oh, uh, wow. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's nuts. It's, 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 it's cutting edge. Uh, it's representative of where the Internet is going. Uh, I feel like we've really firmly entered 2002. Pretty, oh, my God. I'm pretty proud yeah. of it. <laughs> so, uh, excellent stuff. Um, so, I've got, um, my, I've got Mr. Ren Brown on as well, who is uh, the co-host of the show. Ren, how you doing? Howdy. Hi. And uh, and I guess let's let's run. We uh, we the second season of Bored to Death is upon us. Yes. Um, and uh, it's uh, it's 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 a very interesting show. The fact that it exists, that it's able to exist, is is such an interesting. It's, it's just an interesting and odd show, um, and and such an interesting mix of people. Mm-hmm. Um, how would you how would you explain um, uh, Bored to Death to folks who haven't had a chance to experience it on HBO yet? Well, uh, I would say, um, how old are the people that haven't seen it yet that I'm talking to? Let's say that they are 22 and, and just getting their, their feet under them as fans of uh, film and culture. Oh, okay. Uh, okay, here goes. Um, uh, Bored to Death is about a young Brooklyn writer who is struggling to uh, write his second novel um, uh, when we first meet him in the first season of the show and in the first episode in the first scene of the first show his girlfriend leaves him um, for many reasons um, but the heart of the heart of her departure is that she feels like he isn't taking life um, into his own hands and being a man of action and that she feels like she doesn't even see him writing his second novel. She just feels like he's addicted to white wine slightly and playing too much internet backgammon. Which both those things might be true, but there is also writing that is happening that she's probably not seeing, um, that I'm just sticking up for my character in the, you know, but that's just, that's, that's my own problem. Um, but, uh, so anyway, as she leaves him, and um, he's down, and I think in a way to distract himself from uh, the heartache um, of the breakup, he um, finds in his apartment uh, all these old hard-boiled detective novels, uh, the likes of Raymond Chandler or Dashiell Hammett, and he begins to just read them as one reads books or listens to music or gets lost in something if they get heartbroken. And um, I think that he wishes he could be like these old-time detectives who are tough and strong and who are men of action, who are not, um, who are everything that his girlfriend's told him he isn't. Um, And so he um, 
on a whim, puts up an ad on Craigslist advertising himself as a um, unlicensed but cheap private detective. And uh, he kind of forgets about the ad, uh, but because of the TV, uh, 35 seconds later, he gets a hit on, uh, on Craigslist. And he ends up getting a miss missing persons case and is then thrown into a world of um, being a private detective um, and being a spontaneous private detective, but because of his cheap and his lack of license, his cases are more uh, bottom of the barrel. They're not like the good ones are probably going to the other guys uh, who have licenses and maybe also have licenses to carry a gun or something or a taser at least. So he he's just kind of going with it. Um, now the show is not a spoof or in, in my mind isn't ironic uh, or, you know it's not like a guy who a bumbling private detective who's just kind of getting by although he does bumble and is, is often messing things up um, it's not like a, it's not it's not a spoof in any way of, of, of the genre um, he really is trying to help people and he he ends up helping people just not in the um, in the way that is orthodox uh, and Zach Galifianakis is also in the show he plays my best friend he's a comic book illustrator who um, he's also not a man of action he's also down and not taking life by, by the reins and Ted Danson um, plays um, my boss that I uh, at a very big time magazine uh, and I, where I where I make supplemental income, um, which is my kingpin reference for the morning, um, uh, he he writes articles for this magazine, and Ted Danson is his boss. But at the same time, Jonathan's also kind of his pot dealer and friend, and <laughs> they end up like during the day he's kind of his boss, but at night they're more like friends. And sometimes my character almost feels like the older one, and he also is is struggling with um, a slight boredom or struggle to find um, something in life that, that gives him uh, a, a meaning or, or a new breath of fresh air. And so the three of them, all, who are all in these little um, ruts of their own kind, um, end up getting in all different kinds of trouble and action together. And in the second season, it's basically... Um, every everything that we had had to basically establish in the in the first season. Um, now um, now we can go farther into the troubles. You know the, yeah. those that done with some troubles and on to more. And so we just well, you know it's fun with a show because you can be you can just build. You can just hopefully keep building a little bit a little bit each time. And um, that's why you should subscribe to HBO and get the show. That was a long one, but there was, was a lot awesome. of pressure because I felt like I wasn't even talking about the show. I was talking about HBO in general. And then Eastbound and Down comes on after us. Kenny Powers is uh, no. I'm just. I will. I will. I'll stop. No, that's a great contrast between those two shows. I mean, it's it's it, it's 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 such a. I mean, the thing about Boston I love that show. I love that show. Uh, Eastbound. Yeah. Oh, it's crazy. It's crazy it's stuff. So um, it's, it's absolutely amazing. Well, but if you look at the kind of comedy that's present in that show, and then you look at the kind of comedy that's present in Bored to Death, you really are covering people's uh, palates 
pretty extensively with those two. You put them back to back. It's yeah, hopefully, yeah. I mean, because you know, you sounded down's really subtle, and you're really overt. <laughs> well, and <laughs> I, you know, I, uh, I, I like to be overtly subtle. Yeah. But I'll tell you, uh, that was a terrible joke. But I will tell you that um, when you said, "How could a show like this come to exist?" I think that's I say that to myself all the time in, in a great way, which is basically like. I'm so happy that HBO, um, like to me, HBO has made so many great shows because they, um, you know, give give people an give people who have uh, unique perspectives or voices uh, an opportunity to make something. And I feel like Jonathan Ames, you know, who is one of my favorite novelists and performers, uh, you know, the fact that he got to make the show for HBO and kind of cook up all these um, absurd, wonderful, strange little mini-movies. It's so cool. It's a real testament to HBO for, you know, letting him go off and do that and letting us go be insane for a little while. It's really uh, it's really such a joy to make the show. I can't tell you how much fun it is. Well, it definitely belongs on the network. Uh, you know, I, I'm, one of the reasons I appreciate it so much is because it, it, just like everything else on HBO, it's, it's, it's extremely classy and sophisticated. It's a beautiful show. Like, it's gorgeously shot. Yeah. And, uh, it, it really feels like it should be on HBO. It's completely at that level and tier of filmmaking. And then it's, you know, it, it's funny in a way that, you know, everything else. Oh. That's very, I, I really appreciate you saying that. And I, I couldn't imagine uh, you would have just done a TV show just to do a TV show. I mean, if you look at your body of work, it's you've you've, you've already managed to be in a in, in a handful of films there that are are undoubtedly going to be classics that stand the test of time. And that's not something that, that's thrown around a lot. But you, I mean, you really are. I mean, I don't some, know about that. Uh, well, I mean, I, but, I, I appreciate that. And, and actually, uh, and, and 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 Fantastic Mr. Fox is one of them for sure. It's like Thank one of the, you. One of, one of the most special movies that's come out. Since uh, since uh, I can remember, it's it's a that movie just gets better and better. But but so no, the thing is like you look at the quality of the people in the show, and you look at the kind of show it is, and and and, and it, it really is a testimony because there's a lot of good shows out right now. It's a very good time. I agree. It's, it's it's very easy, to, and that's one of the things about Bored to Death. It, it, it sort of has, um, you know, it, the audience for Bored to Death isn't the same audience for Community. So finding a way to reach out to those people and find mm-hmm. them. I can imagine, especially with season two, uh, because uh, you know, and, and you have a good slot there in front of you, Spout. It's a good, it's a good time. Um, are you starting to see what your fan base, what the show's fan base, kind of is like? Starting to see how it's reached out and, and grabbed people. Um, you know, it's it's um, well, yes. I mean, well, sort of. Um, you know, um, I really appreciate what you said about all all the movies I've done, and I and that really is kind of you and um, and I'll tell you that it's weird because um, you know HBO um, is an amazing place to, to make a show and, and television is pr- pretty fascinating and, and amazing and I agree with you that there's so much good TV it's a really good time right now across the board and um, it is crazy to me because I'm so new to it all how um, how wide-reaching television is. And um, I don't know if I met my audience or, you know, but 
there are a lot of people who who now will say that, hey, bored to death, great job, um, much more than I ever had, um, or, or just maybe scratch the great job part, just hey, bored to death. <laughs> um, but like, uh, what's Ted dancing like? <laughs> what's Ted dancing like? Do you want to smoke? We're on that show with uh, with the guy from The Hangover. Yeah. yeah, but so it's like I, but but I think that television does uh, get you out there more, and um, so it's been it, that's been really nice. You know what I mean to to have people to to actually feel like you know people to see it and have people say, oh, I see the show. It's pretty amazing because it's more people than ever said anything about the movies. Well, where I was going with it is, is like because of the because of the noir aspect of it, and because mm-hmm. of of the, of the great literature that kind of serves as sort of a spiritual backbone to it, it reaches a, it reaches uh, into different corners of the fan fandom. You sure. know, it, it's like and and and, and I notice it's, it's it's a little bit more cerebral than a lot of the stuff that's out there in terms of the balance of the dry comedy and and the, and the mm-hmm. outright comedy and the drama. I mean, there's a lot of, of real human stuff, so. It's cool because there, there's a certain contingent of the geek community that it speaks to, and there's a certain contingent of, of, of an older demographic that normally wouldn't watch mm. a show like that, partially because it's HBO and partially because of the subject matter. It's a really, it's a really, it's an, it's, it's a weird cocktail. It really is. Sure. And, and, I, and, and then you get three very distinctly different kinds kinds of actors, you know, on the show, and it's, yeah. it's just it's really it's an intriguing thing. And, and I and, and I. I love the fact that that it, it is sort of like uh, it, it is almost like, as Ren said, kind of like a series of little films. Yeah, I mean, it, that that's to me that's the main that's the thing. I mean, I know this isn't really this is not answering any question in particular, but just kind of building off of something that you just said, which is that um, you know if you're we've been so fortunate to get a a pilot that got picked up to make eight episodes and then to get the second season this is amazing you know who who knows if we get a third we we don't know um but the fact that we got to make two seasons it's that is a really interesting thing because for me at least because um you know a film one would think that a film you've got much more freedom or uh you can explore things uh that you couldn't on television and in some ways you can but in other ways there are things that television can do that film can't that's that i have found very gratifying because really you have i mean i can't imagine being on a you know how how interesting and great it must be to be on a series for seven years or something you know because you can really explore things that you know a movie has to, because it's an hour and a half or whatever nonstop. Yes, you can do certain things that television can't do, but then it's but then it's over after an hour and a half. Whereas if you do eight episodes, you're you're going way beyond that, but in little increments. And I I have found that I feel like it's fun because in a lot of ways. The things you can do or the moments that you can have are almost all of the moments that would have been like deleted out of a movie. Do you know what I yeah. mean? Like the that, because they wouldn't be considered as important to the overall giant, you know, moving plot that has to go forward because there's only this amount of time and then it's over. And I really love that because you 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 can take a little bit more time with the character and kind of let it unfold. And the, the things that you're going through don't have to be as overt. Sometimes they can be, 
But other times they can just be, it can be much more of a general overall like feeling or like in my case, you know, I think that my character is, is going through like a real um, crisis of uh, he, he has to earn this money back that he is expected to, to pay uh, to his publishers. He's spent his advance and he's returned a book. He's written a book and it's been rejected. And so I'm dealing with like, how am I going to support myself? Do I have to move back in with my parents? I have no money. Now I have to become a teacher at night. And I really love that you can just, but you don't have to talk about it so much in every episode. It can just kind of be there, sprinkled throughout. And it's really fun for me to do and really like, really gratifying. Uh, and you I, don't I have to. It. You don't have to do it broadly. I mean, it's, it's, exactly. It's, it's, yeah, it's, just, it's, it's much. More, it can be much more like little chapters in a book. I mean, that's obviously that's a very like a grand connection. But uh, it's it, 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 to me, in some weird way, maybe it feels like that. Like little, just little chapters that don't have to be as um, as huge in every way. They can just be a lot smaller and. You really can examine things a bit more closely, or not closely too, which is which is fun. So I love it, uh, and it really complements it complements a lot of the other work that you've done. It's such a it's such a you know. And I, I know you kind of you kind of work you're, you're casually dismiss my comments a little bit in terms of, but you're it's so difficult to have a filmography like you like you have. I mean, it is so it's so difficult to have. Um, have have had the good taste and 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 the good luck of the people you've worked with and just uh, just be able to put a, a resume together that is really impressive, and and I love the fact that you know when you go to TV it it definitely is is another facet to that and I kind of wanted to get your take on uh, as you've grown up in film, um, you know uh, you what it's been like in terms of um, is finding that balance that balance of of, uh, of work because I mean your music it represents the same aesthetic it's there's not compromises being done. It's 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 really, it's 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 very inspirational for folks out there because it's oh, uh, yeah. it's not easy to do. It's 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 very easy to have your uh, your misstep, and I just don't see it there. Wow. Um, well, that is that. Well, again, thank you very much for saying that. And, and I've, um, I've got a mannequin with your face on it right now here in the <laughs> office, and I'm just staring at it. Um. Uh, that's funny. Uh, I like the idea of a mannequin with my face. <laughs> I'm just trying, immediately I'm thinking, like, can I get one of those and scare my wife with that? <laughs> can I put that in bed with my wife and scare her? Um, uh, I don't know. I mean, I think that, uh, you know, it's a very uh, mysterious industry. I, I have found the film industry, um, and I love movies so much. I mean, as you do, uh, and music. Um, you know, and I and I share that with lots of people who have an enthusiasm for for movies and music. And um, you know, to me, it's you know, the, without without it, it would, the world to me would just be a lot just more boring and flat and 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 gray and dull. Um, I love to watch movies, and uh, I don't know about you, but I find that like, uh, and I think it's different for everyone. There's different things but for me um, whenever you know life is kind of going and then whenever I watch a movie I'm able to just kind of hyper focus on it and really enjoy it and feel peaceful I'm watching it and I, I do feel um, that escapist feeling that people discuss I, mean, I don't feel like I've magically whisked away to 
wherever. But I do feel like the world can wait for us while this, for a second while this is while I'm watching it, which is still, which I think is the power of of it. Um, and same with with music, although less so because you you know you can take it around with you. Um, but but I found that it's a mysterious um, industry because you know it takes a lot of money to make a movie, and therefore it takes a lot of people, and um, you're never sure what movies are going to get made because there's lots of scripts that are circulating through the same people's hands. All all the young actors and you know in the same group are reading the same things and uh, and trying to get the same parts and you know and and people are trying to get movies made and some movies end up falling short at the end they can't get the money to, to be made um, and so it's, it's it really is a process of you know trying to get one of these uh, movies to go all the way to the end and to, to get out to people and to make a good movie and um, I can't tell you how many times I, I've read something and um, you know, I w- wanted to be a part of it, and then um, they, the people who were making it perhaps didn't think I was right, or this actor got it, and then it turned out to be for the best because the movie maybe I didn't like it, or it didn't end up getting made, and then some, you know, and so it's, and then sometimes the movie, yeah, like a movie will get made, and you go see it, and you go, hmm, that's not really what I was imagining it was, so I'm, I guess I. I'm glad that I wasn't a part of it, but I'm glad that actor got the job and got work. And um, but um, it it's really so mysterious, like how something gets made, and then if it gets made, how it ends up being. And um, that's the question. I'm constantly like reevaluating the whole thing and the whole process, and confused by it every day. And I think a lot of actors are. And um, a lot of people are whose jobs are um, not nine to five. You know, and, yeah. and there's so many different businesses that are very similar to acting, where a lot of people are trying to get the same thing, bidding for the same thing. Are they going to get it? Is it going to be good? And so, and because it's so collaborative, which is why I love it, um, it can it can change at any moment a movie. Yeah. And so, I think that you just have to hopefully find. Uh, to me, my main hope is that you wor- you're working with um, a director whose opinion you trust. Because um, me, like naturally, I like to collaborate with people. Like if I go um, eat out, for instance, I I'm like the last person to order because I usually like to have a conversation with the with the person at the restaurant. Like, what what do you think is good? What is bad? Should I get the, you know what I mean? Like, I like to. Uh, Ask people their thoughts, and and um, I have an opinion of my own. But I like I like the collaborative aspect of of acting, and I and and I'm not like a negative person, so don't misinterpret this. But I do like um, when you're with a great group of people on set, and you all get along, and you show up one day, and for some reason it's not working, but right. you can sense that it could it could, and so the day is about. Just keep going, keep grinding through it, and talking about it. What can we do? Why isn't it right? Like, and then you hopefully discover um, an answer. And that moment where you're like, "Oh, that was that's it. I should just if I just hold this basketball the whole time, that'll help the scene." Or that that's what I was looking for. You know, and 
I really like enjoy that part of it. I enjoy the the when it's kind of not working, um, and you're with people that you like, and you're working through it. And so I don't know how to choose a movie or anything. I just hopefully just are working with people that you admire uh, on something that you um, hope is going to be good, and then you just have to, and then you really do just hope and have faith. And yeah. um, and that's that's all I've tried to do. Well, that's a good approach. Apparently, I mean, it seems to work. I mean, the the, the results speak for themselves. And with with every at every turn, it seems the movie business tries to make movies worse in the process. You know, right? And, and when when one comes out that is special, that does speak to it, speak to you, it's uh, it makes it, it you know it kind of justifies a yeah. lot of the stuff. You know, so it's good. I mean, I I know that you've worked with people like Wes Anderson and Edgar Wright and Sophia mm-hmm. Coppola, and those are people that are have obviously proven that that they're the right kind of people. That you want to work with, but I think yeah. I think still Hollywood tries to find a way to keep things from from being great and, and uh, whatever whatever you're doing, man, it's working. Each each there are some actors that work well with certain types of directors. I think like I I haven't worked with like you know I've heard, I've read you know I because you know you love movies so you read about different directors and how they all work and I I have found I haven't worked with the whole spectrum but I have found typically that. Um, I don't know why, but I, I seem to hit it off with people who are writers and directors. Um, maybe it's just because I, I do ask a lot of annoying questions, um, and they have a lot of um, annoying answers. And you know, are not annoying, but the answers to the annoying questions, you know, like and because they wrote it, so they know. And I like that. I kind of I like those. I like people who did that. I, I was going to tell you the other uh, secret too is. Um, I don't have, like, an expensive life. I mean, I just sit around, you know, I just sit around and, and record music and my dog's next to me and my wife goes to work and um, eat simply and it's not a... That, that also helps you to take your time with movies. Yeah, because you can make the decisions based on all the... Well, writing. yeah, and plus, you know, there's not, like, you know, there's not the... Yeah, whatever. So, yeah, that's that's... I just find that if you keep a low overhead, that can always help. Well, uh, I know that I know that, uh, that you have to get running, but I, I really appreciate your time. Well, in this, and, and, I'm sorry uh, if my answers took us on. No, it's 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 great. It's it's so it's. I just, I, I, I like you, and I appreciate, and so I get excited to talk, and then I feel dumb. Well, there's always there's always those things where you know you get you get like three you get three word responses that oh. are, are are coming out of like a, a an automaton's cue, and I, I appreciate oh, yeah. talking with it. So it's just yeah, that's, uh, that's annoying. Well, um, uh, we're all excited that the new season's out there. It's, I, th- cool. I think. Well, thank it, you so second, much. And I was just gonna say, yeah, um, Jonathan and I like are you know you make these shows in Brooklyn, and the crew is relatively small. And it's you know it's not going to come out for like eight months, so you sit there on set and you're like, is this good, or is this going to make people laugh? And hopefully it made some people laugh. And if other people you know don't laugh, whatever, that's okay too. Um, but uh, it is nice that you say you like it because we do make these things in somewhat of a vacuum. And uh, you you ask yourself like, is this funny? And if it is now, is it going to feel funny to me in eight months? And um, you know, you never know, and that's what's so hard about trying to, to do this. And uh, But Jonathan always says the sin that makes me so happy. He says, all we have to do is hopefully just entertain and amuse people for 30 minutes. Um, 
or some people for 30 minutes, and and that's the main our main goal. So hopefully people will be amused and entertained. Yeah. A parting shot. Can you tease us when your next album's coming out? Can I what? Can you tease us when you got another album coming? Oh, out? Oh, I'm I'm writing it now and recording it now, but um, it always takes me a while um, to do because I don't have a band. It's just kind of me uh, making you know recording about myself and um, that process. Um, you know, you make a lot of mistakes until you find the right thing. Uh, I'm doing it with this friend of mine named Woody Jackson, who's an amazing uh, musician and a songwriter and producer himself. So uh, we're just going along, and um, who knows? But hopefully we'll get something that's usable. All right. Well, thanks so much for your time, and good <laughs> luck with you the Thank you so much. Today. I appreciate it. Thanks, man. Be good. Okay, bye. Bye. And, 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 and with one uh, celebrity... When one leaves, another replaces it. Steve Murphy. Thank you for the introduction, sir. Ren, have you ever met Steve Murphy before? Uh, I, I, a couple times, I don't feel like he'd remember me. Um, you know, I was kind of starstruck and nervous. So. Yeah, you were, you had made a pile of something. I don't blame him for being nervous, though. I apologize to the folks that called in. We had a few folks call in that had to dissipate, and uh, um, I didn't want to change the rhythm of the conversation. I know, you know, I, I love that that he would, that he was talking and, and actually talking, you know, rather than cookie cutter cookie cuttering his answers towards us. Don't you agree, Ren? I agree. He's a verbose man. He's got got big deep thoughts in the head, and I like I like hearing about him. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wish I wish it were easy to uh, to replicate that mentality and that kind of uh, approach to, to to what he does because there would be a lot less career management movies and, and stuff that actually meant something to you know because uh, there's a lot of great there's a lot of people that are out there that are that are potentially talented that have just completely Chris Klein themselves into oblivion and and it's great to have him out there he's he's awesome. And he's also he's also not tall, and I appreciate when people aren't tall and succeed. Did you ever okay. see the station agent? No. Okay, silence. Ren, why are you on your cell phone rather than your office phone? Out of curiosity. Uh, mostly because um, we have to record, so probably for a reason. Yeah, because you sound like you just flew out of Hitler's ass. Is the quality different? That's terrible. Yeah, it's pretty horrible. So, Steve, what have you been keeping yourself up with these days? Ah, I've just been working for you, though, haven't I? Do what? I've just been working for you, though. Ah, I'm just talking about since the last yeah. time you appeared on the show. Oh, good grief! How long ago was that? We're talking about last night's show or the? No, no, no. The, we we did record a podcast last night, but I don't want to talk about it because it was a nightmare. Yeah, how did that go, by the way? It was it was jacked. <laughs> anyway, um, I mean, I'll, I'll find. I have a, there's a running joke right now. Uh, what 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 am I going to be doing in November? I'm going to be editing that podcast because it's fucking long and tragic. It was but, not good. No, there were some moments. We talked a lot about John McTiernan, so that should tell you something. Now he's back in the news. That's why we were talking about him. No, but he's back. He's back in the news. He's back, yeah. What'd he do? He's talking about, uh, like, he's not afraid of going to the to the five to the, prisons. To the 
to the pokey, right? Ren, how do you feel about John McTiernan as a filmmaker? Well, I feel about John McTiernan as a filmmaker. Well, yes. He's a, he's, a, he's a glorious man. As he clicks around IMDb frantically. No, uh, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I probably have seen less of his filmography than I should, other than, you know, the obvious ones. But the, the, what's that stupid classic action movie about the guy and the, the flower to put around a face Got the Harry Potter guy in it. He's got pot marks to, to spare. Uh, but no, I, I think he's a delightful gentleman that we need more of. <clears throat> what's he What's he up to these days? He's going to prison. Yeah, that's not the problem. He's going to jail to Can face hard time. With him. He's 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 gonna be doing hard time on planet Earth. Well, he'll, uh, he'll get out just in time to direct My Hard Nine. Yeah. All right, Ryan, your, your connection is, is, is worse than Hitler's mustache. So I'm going to send you packing if you want call back on your, on your landline or, or go about your business, becoming a, a, a man of culture. Indeed. But you're going in and out like, uh, like Mickey Rourke in Wild Orchid. Okay, I'm back. Mr. Ren is... is, is, is Steve, what's your favorite uh, mid-'80s Kiss video? Minnie's Kiss video. Is it Creatures of the Night? That not only they made a video for that. That's an album. They have a song called Creatures of the Night on the album, but it wasn't. Right, right, right. It, which is the one with the, the glowing eyes? Warmish. Uh, uh, I love it loud. That would be it. Okay. That would be it. Crazy business. Um, I'm anxious to see. I'm anxious to see uh, what your take is because uh, you're you're a huge fan of film and you're very passionate and you're very vocal about your your oh, yeah. love your love of film. Well um, documented, very much so. Um, there's a lot of movies that have come out in, in recent days that you haven't seen, and um, I mean you haven't seen Inception, am I right? No, I have not. You haven't seen Wall Street. You haven't seen The Social Network. No, hold on. I've seen Wall Street, but not the new one. Okay, we'll get that out there. You haven't seen Wall Street Money Never Sleeps. No. You haven't seen, I don't think you've seen Machete. Machete? I haven't seen that. I think you've seen Predators. You know what, you're, you're, you're making a great case for uh, firing me. So what, I, what, I'm, what, I'm, what I'm asking is, like, what are, what, what are you excited about? Like, what are, what, are there movies that you've missed just strictly schedule-wise or just because you're too lazy? Yeah. Or? It's all been schedule-wise, and actually everything you've mentioned I've, I, I'm extremely anxious to see. I can't wait to see Inception. I'd love to see Predators. I don't care if it's, if it's mediocre. I'd, I'd love to see it. I'd love to see Wall Street. Even if it's forgetful? If it's forgetful, and even more. <laughs> even more so if it's forgetful. Uh, how do you, how do you, I know you're a big fan of The Expendables. Yeah, I love that it. Now that they're already starting to get into the nitty-gritty of a sequel, yeah. what, do you, what do you demand of a sequel of that movie? I demand less Bruce Willis. That's what I demand. We don't need any more of his plastic face running around. Even though he was in it for, what, a minute? Yeah, the character is completely unnecessary. Do not need him in this. Well, he's going to be much more prominent in the second one because now that, it's, now that, he, now that the risk has paid off in a hit, I think yeah. he's more willing to jump on board. Rumors are he'll be the bad guy. I, believe I guess so, but that, it, it doesn't matter who's good and bad in a movie like that. I mean, It doesn't. I don't know. I just... 
I've soured on old Bruce, you know. Yeah. Too bad, because he was Start, great well, for a his, while. I saw his new movie a couple of weeks ago, or last week. Red. Right? Yeah, and, and um, I'm not a fan of him. I'm, I'm not. I'm, I'm so over, I've been over him for a long time, but I have to admit, he's pretty good in this one. It's not a great movie, but it's kind of good. And, how, does uh, he, well, how does he look, though? Does he, does he still have that plastic... Uh, yeah, but he's Bruce uh, Willis. I mean, that's his thing. He's always been, like, a little bit too well-groomed. He's always been a little bit too clean. You know, like, he's... You know, he he had, he he was bald before bald became kind of cool, and he and he and he uh, he's always had that kind of over manicured kind of visage. So I don't really, I mean, when you look at him compared, like in the scene in Expendables in the church, and these guys, there's three guys that are roughly the same age, and it looks like like one of them is the grandfather. It's like family business. One of them is the grandfather, one of them is the uh, like son, and the other one's Matthew Broderick. He's I'm definitely talking- the Matthew Broderick. I'm talking more about the the shiny features he had though in that scene. It just looked wrong. It looked like his character from uh, Surrogates. Yes, it looked exactly like that. But he wasn't even there at all. They just threw him in there. Threw I'm, not gonna, in there. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, I didn't look good. But but I don't watch I don't watch movies about guys to deter. You know I don't I don't need them to look good for my purposes. Doesn't need him to to whoop ass, and and he didn't whip ass in the Expendables, but he still he still looks pretty he still, he still looks pretty he still looks pretty functional as a gentleman, as a, as a human man a man skill, yeah, and, and Stallone I mean I I, I kind of like I, I love when people age for real and they age and they get weathered and they get battered up and and all that because I, I think it makes it more interesting they're more interesting like you look at Clint Eastwood one of the reasons he's been so great. In, in the past 20 years is you've gotten to watch him, you know, all that mileage kind of show up and it, and it makes the characters more believable and it, and, and, it, and it, you know, he's still got, they still got enough of the, of the, of the guy that you loved growing up, but it's also all these bizarre new U-turns and straight edges and curves and fatty deposits. It's amazing. Bruce Willis doesn't have that. Bruce Willis is eternal. And, uh, I think you're, I think it's kind of a combination of you find it sexy and you're afraid to confront it. And you you don't know when if he's even a real man. It's this is not good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's not good. Do we have no callers? Oh uh, no, we don't have any callers. Because typically the, the this, this fantastic blog talk radio network thing will um, send out bursts uh, over the internet reminding people of the show. Didn't do that this time, so I don't know if it's if it's not making friends with Twitter right now, or if it's not making friends with Facebook, or if um, maybe it knows that we're not worth promoting. Whatever it is, the the end result is we had a few callers that wanted to talk to Jason Schwartzman because he's fantastic, and nobody wants to talk to you. Uh, who can blame them? Really, talk to me whenever they want. Just call me up. They wouldn't. Uh, let's, let's publish your number. Actually, no. Actually, I don't even know what our we have an office number that's like a like a like a like a switchboard. I don't even know what that number is. Oh, I've got the number right here. You don't know what the, the main number is, do you? Uh, it's on my business card over here, isn't it? No, that's not it. That's your direct extension. No, I think it's got the real number on it. It's, yeah, got, it's got the number. Yeah, that's not the that's to your that's to your desk. God, you're such an unprofessional. Uh, well, it shows you how often I look at my card. You look at your card. Okay, here's something that, that the readers would appreciate, the listeners. 
Tell us what you have on your, on your desk. On you, my brought, desk. you brought a few personal items. And, and let's I only talk brought about two. Them. I only brought two effects. One, I've got a, a seated gentleman. He's what, a, what would his name be? That's Jim. Jim, uh, uh, my old friend Jim Kirk. Okay. Yeah, I've got a nice little Bill Shatner doll sitting over here, sitting in his command chair from the original series. Okay. That was a gift. I did not go buy that, even though I would have bought it. Is that from, which line of the Boston Legal Toys is that from? Is that the third series? It's the uh, second season. Okay. Because he's, he's got his pants on. Okay, and then the other, the more important figure that you have at your The more desk. important one I have is, <laughs> I've got the, uh, the Thomas Riker action figure. Not William Riker, I've got Thomas Riker, that's his, uh, his so-called brother. You're you kidding me. One th- no, you have to understand one thing. It's not really his brother. You have to understand this, though. His, his, the character's name is William Thomas Riker, and there was a transporter accident many years ago, and his his atoms were stored in a transporter beam, and when they discovered, like, an old ship... This is, not uh, this is serious? This is serious, yeah, yeah. Anyway, they reactivated the transporter, and a duplicate of him was created. There's two Jonathan Frakes running around. There are two Jonathan Frakes running around the universe. But this one took uh, his middle name, Thomas. So the figure I have is of Thomas Riker, and he's playing the is trombone. That why he's, got a tr- is he, yeah, he's got a trombone in his face. No, I don't know. That's already been established in the series. Third, Riker, always been a trombone player. I heard that about him. I'm just telling you. Is that slang? No. He's actually quite good. See, I'm not, a, I'm, I'm not really... I'm, I watched some of the original Star Trek series, and I've watched maybe half of a Next Generation episode, and I've watched all the movies. But Jonathan Frakes is a nightmare to look at. Right? No, he's not great. He's not... He's not his acting does not seem good. And his beard is too, way too well-groomed. <laughs> why does this... Why, why... What is... I know that you're a bigger fan of the uh, Next Generation than you are the original, right? No, 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 no. That's not true. I think it's a, it's a technically a better show, but the original series is glorious. I love it. But I would never say it's better than the original series. It's just technically, in terms of quality, it is a. Well, I guess I am saying it's a better show. Which one? Next generation. So I just completely. Uh, I, I think I think I think I think Patrick Stewart outclasses all the actors from the original show. But. Other than that, I just can't. I can't get. I, I don't like. I, I can't. I can't look at the Worf character. I can't look at the the visor guy. Right. Yeah. And Brent Spiner looks like looks like uh, he'd rather be uh, at the Blue Oyster Bar. And Too bad, uh, it's a great. It's a great show, and the films did a, did a uh, completely disservice by being totally crap. They're not that bad. They're all crap. And didn't the girl who plays the uh, the one who looks like Paul Stanley? Didn't she? Um, wasn't she in porn? What? The oh, Marina Sturgis? Yeah. Oh, she went in porn. She did a topless scene in... Uh, I want What was it? I forgot. There's one scene where she's... It's like a min, mid to early 80s film she did. Right. How many times have you watched that scene? Oh, I don't know. Maybe 1,500. She looked a little like Paul Stanley. She looks like a, like a mixture of Paul, of Paul Stanley and then, like, the king from Mr. Rogers' yeah. Neighborhood. That's exactly why you would watch it, though, because she does look like Paul Stanley. That's, that's the only reason to watch her topless. But you know what I'm saying? She's got a little <laughs> of that king, too, the little puppet king from, from Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood going on, too. Is that King Burger? Is that his name? That's no, King Friday. 
Hey, we have a caller. We have two callers. Jesus, I'm sorry. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick up the one from the eight five zero area code. Hello, who's this? Hey, what's happening, man? This is Andrew from Destin. Hey, man, I'm gonna be in your town tomorrow. Oh, sick! I am the Red Bar. I'm going to the Red Bar, and I'm going to go to, I think we're going to end up going to old uh, uh, Seaside as well before we leave. So if okay. you, if for some reason you want to come play poker with us one night or, or have a drink or whatever, that would be splendid, sir. I, I know that you were unable to... Oh, excuse me? I'm all about it. You're That's what I like to hear. I know that you had to deal with something and weren't unable to come to the Exorcist movie. Hopefully all that, everything's good. How'd that go? How'd the exorcist screening go? It seemed like it was a hell of a time. <laughs> if you were anywhere in the country but in the theater I was in, apparently it was a phenomenal adventure. The movie looked amazing. I mean, it looked as good. It looked so good. And it was so great seeing it on the big screen. And our little commercial was fun. And uh, I think they did a really good job, except in our theater. What happened 45 in your minutes theater? In, five, 45 minutes into the film, the audio got messed up. What? So, first of all, the film, let's stop for a second, and then, and, then, and then what would happen is there was two lines of dialogue that just looped over and over over the rest of the film. So, so Regan McNeil is pissing on the floor as, as the party, her, her, her mom's having her party, and it says something about uh, the x-rays, something about the x-rays coming through. It was the worst. And, but luckily, I mean, I, I was frantic because I thought, oh, my God, this is the hard, because it was, it was the first time one of those movies had been done on a hard drive, and I was like, oh, crap, this is happening all across the world or all across the country, and we were oh, the only theater. file for everyone? Yeah, so the only theater that fucked up was the one where the sponsor was sitting, so that was cool. But it was, it, I mean, a movie it was looked great. And, 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 it, and I forgot how great the stuff in Iraq or wherever it takes place and the stuff in the early part of the movie. I love that stuff with Father Oh, with Matt Father Marin. and the yeah. atmosphere and the and, desert. And, and, I, Max Moncito, I think he was born old. Because he looks the same now. I mean, like that guy—that's like thirty-something years ago. And he—I think he came out of the—I think he's Benjamin Button, except he doesn't age in reverse. He's just old forever. Yeah, even the uh, old stuff with uh, Inmer Bergman—he's got that extremely right. age-weathered look. You can go over back he, to the Virgin Spring and see him uh, as he looks now. He has—he's been good for—he's been good for such a long time. And, and and even now, like you know, obviously he's lost a step and he doesn't choose as many movies, but. Right. He's still he's still like got such presence. Yeah, it's interesting. Steve, you're, are you a fan of Max? I love him. Oh, I'm an absolute fan of Max von Sydow and Ingmar Bergman films. It all kind of stems from the Seventh Seal and having yeah, a never background. Again. I was I was waiting for Steve to reference a Bond movie or something. He was in a Bond movie. Never say never again. That's not really a Bond movie. That's right, he was. Um, uh, Ming the Marvelous. What did you think of Little Dorrit? Little Dorrit. I do not know about that. What's what's this up? It's, it's what, a very long adaptation of a class, a piece of classical literature, that was kind of like his return to grace. Like I think he got nominated for it, like in the early '90s. What I saw of it, it was he was so good, but it was so slow. But uh, I know that it was kind of like uh, it, it introduced him to a new audience. But obviously, it didn't do enough of a job so that the name recognition stuck with you. It's been that movie's been made a couple of times, I believe. But uh, huh. so what have you what have you seen? Yes, yes, definitely. If you like classical literature type stuff, uh, and you obviously do, if you're willing to, you know, if you if you if you're willing to balance a Bergman film and and a, and a Cannibal Holocaust type of film, I think you could swing it. 
Absolutely. What What have you seen lately in the theaters? Lately, I just uh, went and saw the Social Network. And? It was good. It was great. I definitely uh, dug the character study. I think uh, it goes leagues above any other film that's ever tried to make computer science palatable, especially when you reflect on films like Hackers. Uh, you've got incredible dialogue and uh, character uh, interaction and uh, you know enjoyable story and it puts a uh, good position for uh, douchebags to run around and uh, have fun and also the soundtrack is top notch there's a lot going for it like yeah it. Uh, yeah I'm gonna bring in our other caller too because we're, we're in the home stretch here the 708 hello yeah. how you doing oh <laughs> I forgot I hit one <laughs> Uh, hi, this is uh, Carly from Chicago, Illinois. How are you guys? Excellent. How are you doing? You haven't called in before, so welcome aboard. Oh, no, I have not called in before. I actually got a text during uh, my class just now that said, call this number and press 1 if you want to talk to Jason Schwartzman. But by the yeah. time I got out of class, I uh, hit 1, called the number, hit 1, and I was listening to a discussion about Star, uh, excuse me, uh, Star Trek. So. <laughs> yeah, we, we, Jason was in the first half of the show. Okay, yeah, I wasn't, I, I didn't really know the um, specifics, so I thought I would call in anyway, um, because I love Chud, and I've never uh, called in anywhere before, and actually gotten answered, so this is a first for me, so thank you. Well, well, uh, le- if you, if, email me your address, and we will send you a door prize, we've got some good stuff here in the office to mail out, so if, when you get a chance, email, and we'll send you something in Chicago that'll make you feel even more special. Um, oh, awesome. Have you have you seen the social network yet? No, I haven't. Um, I've heard really excellent things. Um, there's a radio personality that actually reviews movies um, called The Regular Guy. And uh, normally he's sort of um, got a really generic sort of um, opinion on movies, kind of, kind of just sort of like, it's good, it's bad, don't see it, see it, you know. But yeah. um, he responded really well to social network, and uh, usually that that's my um, you know indicator if a movie's actually good or not if like, he actually has something to say about it. So <laughs> yeah, it, but, um, it's, it's it weird. It's a it's a weird movie. I think it's going to be interesting. I, I like I know I, I kind of know how Steve's going to react to it when he sees it, but but uh, it's I, I'm still trying to formulate exactly how how important of a movie I think it is. I like it and I appreciate it, but I don't know. I don't know if if it's as synonymous with this era as some people are saying. That's like a modern classic that defines the defines the generation. I guess it defines the generation in that it's so vague and amorphous and stuff like that, which is definitely. But uh, yeah, it is. A, it's a really good movie and it's interesting. I just kind of um, still trying to figure out how I feel about it. Oh, my favorite my favorite thing is the twins. I don't know if you read about yeah, that, but uh, that that yeah, that whole yeah. thing blew my mind because. I didn't know going into the movie that that was one guy playing both of those parts. <laughs> it's a really good performance, too. You've got a great balance of, you know, one character being a little more edgy, the other being a little more practical, but uh, the interaction with, you know, him talking to himself pretty much is almost amazing, and you don't even notice it. Yeah, and, and, and I had just watched, like, the day before, I had just watched the Edward Norton movie called Leaves of Grass, which I'm trying to get a review up on Chud today or tomorrow. Um, where he plays twins as well, and they use a, I guess they use a similar method. I mean, obviously you can't. I mean, you have to have some dummy there playing the other part. But um, that whole thing, it, it's been done to death. But there was something unique about the way that Fincher shot it and 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 had it in the movie that it 
it, it just really was it really was uh, kind of transcendent in that. and and that's cool because like he always finds little ways to use technology in a way a little bit different than most everybody else so that either it's seamless like in zodiac or um, or or in a way that you know kind of just you know like in Benjamin Button the way that you marry the, the worlds of practical and and digital in a way that's not showing off at all there was nothing showy about you know anything in the movie so you need to check it all. out what would you have asked Jason Schwartzman? I mean, uh, I'm, I'm sorry. Go on. Carly, what would you have asked Jason Schwartzman if you had a chance to speak to him? Because I think uh, Steve is really kind of hot-wired into what Jason Schwartzman's line of thinking is like. Really? <laughs> um, well, actually, um, my boyfriend, Patrick, actually Patrick Rapole, you're probably familiar. Oh, yeah. 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 I'm back, Carly. Hi. Um, <laughs> I, uh, he knows uh, Jason Schwartzman is like sort of, one of my uh, heartthrobs, if you will. So, um, I don't know. I probably... See, I wasn't listening to the podcast before, or mm-hmm. whatever, radio show, whatever you want to call this. Um, Night- nightmare, so, I think it's a good word. Nightmare, okay. I can uh, I can do nightmare. Um, so, I was sort of not really sure what to say, because I wasn't sure what he was talking about. Um, first of all, I would have definitely just swooned over him and told him about how cute I think he is. <laughs> I did that. I did that for you. You did? Okay, well, good. I'm, I'm glad, um, glad someone put it out there for me. And um, I probably would have asked him if he had any more plans to uh, write. Write as in film? Yes. Yeah. He, um, he was, well, he, the reason he was on the show is because he's, you know, bored to death the second season just started. So he was, he was promoting that to some extent. But, um, right. you know, in, in, in line with how he's always been in, in, the, in the few times that we've interviewed him or done stuff with him, and then you, read, you, see, you see him interviewed, he's kind of unorthodox and he's kind of, you know, very natural. And, and uh, the, he, he was really, you know, it was really interesting to hear him kind of go off on, you know, his stuff. I made the mistake of asking him a little bit about the show to kind of, you know, sell it to the, because a lot of people don't really know that show. I mean, it, it, for better or worse, it's kind of been under the radar for a lot of folks. So and he went off, man. It was, it was like he really kind of sums up. But um, he, uh, he he didn't allude to doing any more film writing, but he did say that he's working on a new CD, a new album, and uh, you know it was it was it was cool. It was cool because he uh, he definitely he definitely represents the kind of uh, talent that gravitates to people. You know, like that's why Wes Anderson and Copeland and all those people. You know, it, mm-hmm. we're just you know birds of a feather type of thing, and. Um, I, I can't imagine he's he's going to be uh, doing any um, you know American Pie type of movies anytime soon. Right, right. Well, it sounds like uh, it sounds like he um, was exactly like I thought he'd be like <laughs> as yeah. a real person and not as a character. So I'm sort of uh, sort of glad about that. What what was the what was the movie or, or show or whatever that got you into him? Uh, definitely Rushmore. Yeah. Um, I saw Rushmore, I think, maybe in, uh, I'm going to say, eighth, eighth grade. And um, I wow. immediately wow. felt him. So. <laughs> I feel like an old bastard now. Oh, well, you know, it actually didn't even come out in eighth grade. Like, I was in eighth grade when I saw it, but it had previously come out. So <laughs> That's even worse. Yeah. I know. <laughs> I just want to make you feel even, uh, even oh. older. So. Success. What year was that? That had to be like ninety. No, Rushmore would have been about ninety-eight, ninety-seven. Oh my God! Yeah, ninety-seven, ninety-eight. I think. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Okay. I got it. So, so yeah. I was, I was, so I was maybe around seven Don't. or eight when it came out. 
<laughs> I don't know. I'm really bad at math. <laughs> you were seven? I think. Bloody hell. I can't do math wow. well. Hey, well, boss, I'm going to have to go get a drink. I, I was seven when Grease came out. <laughs> oh, my God. Jeez. And, Andrew, are you, a, are you a Jason Schwartzman fan? Yeah. Um, you know, I'd watched Rushmore, and then uh, I started paying more attention to him, and uh CQ, uh, that being kind of an interesting, almost Barbarella-like kind of movie. And, uh, Weird flick, yeah. Watching, watching Slackers, uh, his performance was so over-the-top and ridiculous, he became a, a character actor to watch, and then it just kind of stemmed off from I Heart Huckabees into even more of the you know, Wes uh, Anderson stuff and got better and better. And then yeah, got totally, I, I, totally sold me on him. Darjeeling is a movie that I really love. That, that it's, it's, it's kind of one of those polarizing movies because a lot of people look at it as, as a lesser Wes Anderson, and I look at it as no. not. And 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 um, and you look at the three the three guys that are in that movie together, and, and it's just kind of like I don't know I, that you want to talk about why people uh, you know like why actors uh, have it good. Uh, can you imagine what that experience must have been like making that movie with that group of people? Uh, I mean, I, I, through the country, just the whole yeah. thing, just, just being as, as on location as you could possibly be with a bunch of crazy creative people making a movie that's, that's unclassifiable in some respects and, uh, and then having it be what it was. And then, of course, you know, going right into, uh, you know, the other stuff, the, the, the fact that he was, um, you know, well, he did, the, he did the Apatow movie, but I'm thinking more in terms of, you know, doing the, the Fantastic Mr. Fox, which was, you know, one of my favorites ever, and then Scott Pilgrim, of course, which I, which I think we, I think we did a good job of skirting Scott Pilgrim because we haven't covered it much on the site, and I didn't want to start now. <laughs> but yeah, um, I got it. The uh, Darjeeling Limited is great, and even seeing Adrian Brody jumping into the mix with, uh, you know, the cast and the entire setting, it's a uh, really hell of a good film. I think, I, I think everything he learned on uh, Darjeeling, he was able to apply to Predators. <laughs> in a way, yeah, I think so. Especially the uh, you know interaction he had with uh, old boy from Machete, and uh, dealing with all those you know, monsters like the snake in the box was right into it. Perfect segue. Yeah, I like Brody a lot. I like him. I, I don't want to like him sometimes because he's made some movies that I hate. But uh, oh, yeah. and I didn't like Splice that much either. And I was like, eh. But uh, he's always yeah, he's, at least like, he's challenging himself. Yeah, you gotta have to go with the bat. Um, well, we we uh, we are we are about to end the show here. We're at the ninety second mark. Uh, Andrew, send me a note. I'd love to see you while I'm down there. It's you know, it's destined. There's not much else to do at night. So um, thanks for calling in, man. <laughs> and uh, and uh, I'll catch up with you soon. And as we go into the home stretch here, uh, Steve, is there any kind of words of wisdom you have for the Chud audience? Not one bit. Just keep reading the site. Keep loving it. If you hate it, die. Okay, you're, you're a huge, huge fan. Uh, and, and do you have anything else to say about anything going on? Yes. No, I don't, actually. I, I just apologize for that statement I just made. Actually, I don't. The hell with those people. Okay. That's very rude. Yeah. Right, I'm going to hang up on you. So here we are, end of another show. I hope you guys enjoyed uh, having Schwartzman on. Uh, you know, we, we've turned it up a notch, and I think we have another... Another guest, it's scheduled for Friday, but I don't think I can do the show on Friday. But we've had, in the past couple of months, we've had the likes of Edgar Wright and Brian Koppelman and David Levine. And we had uh, Jody Hill. And now we've had Jason Schwartzman. And the next one we have lined up is filmmaker Gareth Edwards, who did Monsters, which is a 
if you read our tag team review, it was a movie we really, really, really loved. Um, so we may have to um, we may have to do an impromptu podcast on Friday that I'm really hoping to avoid. But if not, next week, look forward, forward to that. So uh, why don't you go fuck your mothers and have a great time. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>